and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Let's go. Hello, Canada. Hello, streaming abroad, I suppose. Welcome to Tim and Friends, the draft day edition. I am not Tim. No, I'm not. But I assume I'm a friend. There's a, a hoodie here that says I'm a friend. So maybe that's just positive reinforcement. Uh, I am filling in for Tim today and tomorrow as Uncle Timmy gets a couple scheduled rest days. And joining me as we endeavor to bounce around the sports world for the next 90 minutes is yours. You love him. Kevin Mickey. Uh, who did a great job, I should say, on Sportsnet Central last night. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff, who normally sits in that very chair, he'll be doing Sportsnet Central tonight. So, in a sense, Kev, I I'm not going to say we've been called up. I'm going to say we've been drafted. We've been drafted uh, to I these seats. We've been drafted to these positions here today, uh, which begs the question, I suppose. Go ahead. If you were to be drafted yes. to a league, right, a bunch of young kids are going to live out their dreams tonight, love to see it. Yeah. Which league would you prefer to walk on stage, shake the commissioner's hand, take a photo for CP and Getty images, put on a hat? Shout out Canadian Press, uh, not AP, CP. Uh, well, it's in for, Montreal. Yeah, for me, it'd be the NBA. The NBA, seems, okay. the NBA seems like it's got way more glitz and glamour. It's got more pomp and circumstance. Uh, Adam Silver's the cooler commissioner out of all the commissioners. Uh, I mean, who, who's You're going you? Adam Silver cool? Com who are we comparing him to? Gary, Gary Bettman, Fair. Roger Goodell. It's it's I, tough. I bet yeah. you. I bet you Don Garber gets after it. <laughs> I bet you. Yeah, okay. A late fair. night with Don Garber gets real. That's fair. What about you? Uh, I agree, uh, for vastly different reasons. Okay. Like, I mean, for me, it's the fashion. Sure. It's the yeah. Instagrammable moments that come with the NBA draft. NFL is close. But I yeah. don't really want to bro hug with someone who might find me, <laughs> right? You get so, fined for the bro hug. Well, if it's, if it's, it's too official, and and everyone bro hugs in the NFL. Yeah. So you know it's kind of overdone. You get to come up with a handshake with Adam Silver. That's that's the cool thing about the NBA. Well, it's funny that you mentioned coming up with a handshake because the other I, I love the NHL draft. I love that they they're, they're putting on like the actual sweater. Yeah, that is which never cool, yeah. looks great with a no, suit, but no. they do it anyways. I, I just don't love the fact that I have to be in. Like row 201, <laughs> section 105 for 45 minutes. Like, are, you, are we serious? Um, but but you mentioned the handshake. There it is. There he right? is. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Th this is the question, and I'm a I'm a body language expert. The sweater like never comes close to fitting. No. Like it's an actual sweater you expect to wear with pads. And also in in the NHL, the caps always have a curve. Have you noticed that? Yeah. yeah. NBA, NFL caps never have a curve. No. Not the point. The point is. I'm a, I'm a body language expert. Yeah. I took SOCH in, in university, study of people. Who do you hug first? To me, it's very telling. Interesting. Maybe on some family dynamics, maybe on, yeah. on your values. Do you, do you go for mom? Do you go for dad? Do you go for sibling? Do you go for partner? Who do you hug first? Uh, if you're that young, I think you turn to parents. Do you, and I guess there's another question. Do you coordinate with your parents beforehand? You say, okay, I'm going to get drafted, so here's the plan. When I get drafted, we all stand up and we do the group hug together. Like, is the, is the kid putting both of his arms around mom and dad like this? Are you the Gronkowskis? Like, what are we talking about? Group <laughs> hug? <laughs> Who are you hugging? Fine. Okay. All things considered, 
I'm drafted into the NFL, into the NBA, into the NHL, NBA in this case, let's say. Sure. I turn, I'm going to look to my old man first, I think. Okay. And I'll give my old man the, the big-time bear hug. That's what I'll do. Okay. That'll be me first. Who are you, who are you hugging first? So, actually, like, this is actually a public service announcement okay. for the kids today who are watching. You know, as They've got some nervous energy Listen before up. the draft. Listen up, kids. What you don't do, do not hug partner first. Quite frankly, partner mm. should even be there. Because by the time you're on second or third contract, might not be partner anymore. <laughs> so those photos by CP and AP and Getty might be a little bit awkward, yeah. right? Like, you're on Facebook page. You, you can do some house cleaning. You can't do that on Getty. So partner in the green room, not hugging partner first. Mm-hmm. You hug sibling last. Because with sibling, you've got, right, the doom, 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 doom. Yeah. Right. You've got the, 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 That's pretty good. the you, you've got the, the hug. So, so you want to bring the swag to the stage, hug sibling last. So now we've left with mom and dad. Yeah. You knew mom first. You knew her longer. That's true. Like, yeah. This yeah. is science. Yeah. You owe mom the okay. first hug. She okay. carried you for nine to ten months. Yeah. You hug mom first. Then you, you hug it out with dad. You give dad a little bit of time when the cameras aren't on him, to like wipe away the tears because he's getting emotional. Of course, yeah. Um, but he wants to be the strong, silent type. That is the pecking order okay. when drafted. It, it, now, it's a scientific study. Now, having said that, if you'll indulge me for just a moment, could I get my camera just oh, solo? Boy, he's calling for his camera. Uh, I'm sorry, Mom. Sorry about that. <laughs> I will hug you first because Donovan makes a fantastic point. So, Mom, it's you, Dixie Mickey. That's my mom. I will hug you first when I'm drafted eventually in my 30s. Yeah, moms drafted us, so we draft them first. Listen, uh, our draft board of guests is full of blue chippers coming up on the show. we got potential MLB all-star Santiago Espinal. He's joining us, which gives you reasons and a reminder to vote for him. Uh, Jeff Merrick uh, from Montreal, head of the NHL draft. Reason and reminder to buy his swag because it's selling like hotcakes. Uh, Amy Atterbear doesn't have swag yet, but she will. Uh, she's going to join us ahead of another night of Global Jam basketball action here in Toronto. And Kevin, why don't you get us started off with some lightly educated sports debate and some notorious B.I.G. I, I, I think I can do that. It's called First Things First. Mm-hmm. I can very much oblige this. Uh, Donovan, the NHL draft goes tonight in Montreal with the Canadians holding the first overall pick. And with a couple of hours remaining before that first selection is announced, no one seems to know what's going to happen. Will the Habs take Shane Wright? Will they take Yurov Slavkovsky? Or trade? Trade is also an option. Oh, and Donovan, speaking of trades, it's expected to be a busy night. Things have already begun. The Sens... The Ottawa Senators have made a splash. They've acquired Alex DeBrinkets from the Blackhawks for the seventh overall pick, 39th overall pick, and a 2024 third round pick. What do you make of this deal? What do you think? Uh, evidently, uh, when Peter Dorian said the rebuild was over, he wasn't joking. He wasn't no. half-stepping. It, I thought of him first because, you know, he came out and said, listen, we're 50-50. What we're going to do with the pick, you know, sitting at seven. Might trade it. Might actually select it. Look at his background. He's a scout. He loves the process of finding young talent. He loves the drafts. So to trade it is a real investment. And I love it because you're getting a guy who, at a winger, 24 years old, 41 goals twice, right? They don't grow on trees, especially when you've, you've got, uh, you know, another year of control. I, I love the part. I actually want Ottawa to go in even more so. Uh, now that we're, we've got some offensive firepower, which was an issue for them, some scoring and some veterans, can, can we get on the phone and say, hey, Claude Giroux, 
we're not rebuilding any. You got a house in the area, yep. family in the area. Why don't you come here, add some veteran leadership and a nice wrist shot? I, I, I love it for the direction and the excitement you have to have right now as a Senators fan because you don't know what any of that draft capital is going to turn into. The questions, and when we talk about uh, executives, it's for Chicago. Yeah. And what this means. Because yeah. we obviously knew great point. That, that, that this player might move, but what does it mean for Kane? Yeah. What does it mean for the fact that you, you went and got rid of some picks uh, a year ago and now you're, you're trying to get some more could the fire sale be going on in the Windy City uh, is what I'm fascinated to see. And, and I, I think they're in play to potentially get another first-round pick. The Hawks. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, what do they do with Patrick Kane? What do they do with Johnny Taze? Are they going to want to sit through this rebuild? Uh, that's going to be a big question. The one thing that has really perked my interest from this Sens trade is the fact that reports suggested earlier in the day that they had an agreement to trade Matt Murray to the Buffalo Sabres and in that trade, it would have been with the seventh overall pick to the Sabres, and they also would have retained salary. Mm. But Murray has a limited no-trade clause, so he kiboshes the trade to Buffalo. And now they use that trade, they use that pick to acquire a 41 goal scorer in Alex Debrinkit. Matt Murray, thank you very right. much, says the whole Ottawa Senators fan base for declining that trade. Incredible. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that, that limited no move, and that is a, a real factor at this time in your when you're trying to get deals done. You, you mentioned Kane, and could yep. be out the door. He has a full no move. Yep. So in terms of who may be going and leaving and who he wants to be playing with, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Seth Jones is a name that they moved Just recently out, signed? Even yeah. though he was just recently yeah. signed, because remember, new executive, new front office, new direction in the Windy City. There's uh, a lot of different directions the Habs could be going in with the first overall mm. pick tonight. We actually asked uh, everyone on Twitter, Tim and friends, uh, what should the Habs do with the first overall pick? We put out a poll. Uh, draft Shane Wright is currently leading that poll okay. uh, at 60%. Yurov Slavkovsky, 21.3, and trade the first pick at 18.2. And then I actually also enjoyed this. There are a big group of Habs fans who say uh, the right choice. The right choice. Get it? Because ah, it's Shane Wright and then yes. the Habs logo for choice. That's fun. Um, what should the Habs do with that first overall pick? They have 14 picks in this draft. 14 picks, 10 in the first four rounds. You're not putting, you know, 10 youngsters, certainly on your team next year. You're not going to flood your system with them necessarily. This has always been billed as a choice. Hmm. And, 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 and really, we should give Logan Cooley some love. Potentially a three-way uh, choice. Yeah, yeah. Does it have to be? Like, like, why can't we have all things? Why can't we have our cake and eat it too? You, you, you've got the player in right with realistically maybe not as high a ceiling, maybe not ready as much right now, but certainly a high floor and, and someone who we've been vetting for a long time. Can we not have them both? Please, Montreal, let's start let's the draft with it. chaos. Let's do it. Trade yes. some of that capital, even if it means a pick or two. You have Suzuki, already a, a nice young up-and-coming star. Pair him with an, another couple ones that you're going to have cost control on for the foreseeable future. We're talking about Le Habitant. We're talking about a, a, a team that is defined by Stanley Cups, yep. nothing else. Not making the playoffs, not being competitive, not winning a division. So let's go all in, it, especially yeah. when you're a new regime. You have a bit of time. Mm -hmm. People will give you that, so use that capital wisely. That, that's, that's, that's me. It, it, there is certainly 
a different mentality in the NHL than you'd see, for example, in the NBA. Like, offer sheet is a bad phrase in the NHL because you might offend somebody. Yeah. Where in the NBA, it's like, we're going all in all yeah. of the time. Yeah. I would love to see Montreal get super aggressive at the top of the draft. It's, especially it's in Montreal, so the fans would just go insane. Uh, there's some other stuff going on in the NHL today, too. Uh, Avs Rangers hooked up with the trade. Alexander Georgiev is going to Colorado for three draft picks. Mm-hmm. So Darcy Kemper, he's... A Stanley Cup winning goaltender, he's likely not coming back. And Chris Letang, boy, what an extension. Chris Letang has signed a six-year, $36.6 million extension with the Pens. Reminder, he is 35 years old. 35 years old, Chris Letang. He's getting 6.1 is the average, I believe. It's so funny. We're at a spot because of where the cap is at that every move has a ripple and domino effect to other moves and other players. So you mentioned Latang. What does that mean for Malkin? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Kepper being on the open market. Well, what does that mean for the market for Jack Campbell and mm-hmm. what, where that number sits? What does Edmonton do in goal? Obviously, Toronto has a question at the one and one A goal position. If you believe that they might be looking to move on from Peter Mrazek, so uh, I'm interested to see, especially now this year, unlike last year. With all of the GMs being in one spot, being together for, for league meetings, and obviously being on the draft floor, proximity sometimes gets deals done. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what the domino effects at Netminder are specifically because this game is so tough around the margins. We've seen, whether it was Tampa Bay in recent years, Colorado uh, this year, New York going on a nice run. The Habs, you know, obviously a couple years ago. Carry Price, yeah. A, a goalie can carry you yep. if your Leafs pass the first round, but much deeper. And so you have to get that position right. We're going to have a whole lot more on this with Jeff Merrick. Yes. And by the way, one of my favorite shots of the draft is GMs talking to each other. And then we say, look, they're talking. I know. Just I, wait for it. I, it's actually my, one of my least favorite because, like. <laughs> I say that in jest. Sure. Like, are they talking about where they're going to go eat lunch yeah. or getting a deal done? Or yeah, they're whispering like this. Uh, you guys like, were good to eat on St. Catharines. The uh, fact that they both here? like electric cars. Like, you have no idea what that conversation is about. We have much more with Jeff Merrick uh, later on in the show. The Blue Jays, they open a four-game series in their home away from home tonight. That is Seattle, as become, has, has become tradition. West Coast Blue Jays fans expected to take over T-Mobile Stadium in Seattle. The Mariners have been pretty good lately. They've won 12 of their last 15. They're in second in the AL West. Meanwhile, the Jays snap at a five-game losing skid on Wednesday. They beat the A's 2-1. Jose Barrios, whoa, they needed this. Gave up just one run over six innings. Deach, how important was that Barrios start? Vital. Yeah. Right? I, I, I can't think of a better word to describe it because of what has happened to their bullpen being taxed because the fact that Let's be honest. If, if Ryu was still a part of this rotation, Kikuchi probably would not, right? That's yeah, where we are yeah. in terms of where the starters aren't. And I think it's vital, to be honest, that what we've seen over the last uh, week and a half, this team needs to get one, if not two, arms to fortify that starting rotation because trying to fortify it via free agency just hasn't panned out for the Atkins regime. Mm -hmm. So if you can help yourself by just getting volume of arms and seeing who plays. You know, Romo, I suppose, is a similar example. If it doesn't work out, you DFA him and move on. Uh, They're they're in critical need of arms. And Blue Jays fans 
are going to struggle watching Robbie Ray pitch against them when he could have been, um, you know, one of the free agents that they brought back this offseason. And, you know, the Mariners have been really good in his starts, 4-1 and one in the last five. Uh, the starter for tonight is TBD. It could be Casey Lawrence, or it could be an opener led by Casey Lawrence afterwards. Uh, we're looking at Manoa versus Ray on Saturday. That'll mm -hmm. be a murky matchup. Um, but in the meantime, we are going to have much more baseball later on the show. To basketball, though, as we continue to move along here in First Things First, all eyes continue to be on the Kevin Durant saga as we wait to find out where KD ends up. The Raps, they continue to be mentioned among the favorites to land Durant, along with teams like the Suns and Heat. Uh, Donovan, what do you make of this situation? Let's give you a chance to sound off here. Do you want me to sound off? Yep, give it to me. Because uh, I, like many uh, Canadians... Uh, was in my feelings a little bit about Chris Broussard and his um, <laughs> opinion of what Kevin Durant's decision may or may not be. So let's compartmentalize the conversation. In terms of KD, he is top 75 player of all time. We saw that at All-Star break. Yep. Top 10 right now, I would argue, top 15 of all time, four years left on his deal. Those players don't walk on trees, 30-plus points, and giving you 6 and 7 on 51% shooting. You have to be interested. You'd be a fool not to be. But I also think that Masai Ujiri can let the market come to him, similar to what he did with Kawhi Leonard, and say, listen, you don't have many better options than what I have. So, no, I'm not going to put Scotty and Pascal in. I mean, I put either of them in. I don't have to make a move. I have a shiny ring on my finger when I pick yeah. up the phone. I have a team that is building. I have all of my picks for the foreseeable future. So I think they're in the catbird seat. On the Broussard perspective, I just want to say I'm, I'm tired of having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he referenced Tracy McGrady. That was 22 years ago. <laughs> uh, it, newsflash, the balance of players for the Raptors in that time have been Americans who were black. Uh, 8% of our population is black, which is higher than Phoenix, which is the other area that Kevin was interested in. He wasn't citing any sources. I felt a type of way about it. Um, and I think I'm tired of people finding reasons why athletes won't come to Toronto when, when you look at the history, it's been quite the opposite. Would you... So Richard Jefferson came out in defense of Toronto as well, which, yeah. was, which was great to hear. He called Toronto one of his top five NBA cities along with New York, LA, Miami, and Phoenix. So that's a that's pretty good for Toronto, saying that a former nba -er has that to say. Uh, now, is there a trade that you would include Scotty Barnes in? If it's Scotty and then, let's say, Gary Trent, Ken Birch, and, like, three first-round picks? No. Like, that deal that you just described, no, because, like, who's bidding against me? Huh? Right? Like, it, DeAndre Aiden is a distressed asset at this point. The Pistons look, they're like, yeah, actually, we're good. So, so why would we go all Rudy Gobert and throw in a bunch of, of capital when there was no bidder? Like, even the, when we look at the Bagley signing, I, I looked at myself and I said, who was number two in the run-in for Marvin Bagley? So, I, no, I wouldn't throw Scotty Barnes plus, plus, plus in. I wouldn't throw Scotty Barnes in, period. I don't know if Scotty Barnes will ever get to the point where he is a 1A star. I don't know if he'll score as efficiently for that to be the case. But if his floor is Ben C Simmons and his ceiling is, you know, some Kevin millennial Durant. Magic Johnson or Kevin Durant, yeah, like, yeah, that's a player I want to keep at the number that he's at. Plus, because he's only on his second year going into his rookie deal, 
to make the salaries match, you have to throw in so much if he's in the deal. And that's why I think there's no way he's going to be in it, whether Masai Jury would give him up or not. Yeah, if they give up, if they're, they're going to have to match salaries. So then all of a sudden the Raptors' depth is just... It's cut by quite a bit. This KD watch, it's, uh, it will continue for quite some time, Deej. Yeah, uh, it's why I love the NBA. It's why I love the NHL, because uh, it never stops. We never stop on this program. Still plenty ahead on this edition of Tim and Friends with no Tim. Blue Jays second baseman Santiago Espinal will join us from Seattle to discuss his breakout season and possible all-star selection. It has to be probable. Jeff Merrick from Montreal ahead of tonight's NHL draft. Plus, Amy Adebayo will join us from day three at Global Jam in Toronto, and we'll ask her if she thinks the Raptors should make a run at KD. It's Tim and Friends with Donovan and Kevin. Let's go. 2-1. Bichette launches it. Deep left field, and it is gone! A go-ahead solo home run for Bo Bichette. Judge hammers it. Hi, my name is Aliyah Edwards. Marcus Carr. Emmanuel Miller. Marissa Russell. Welcome to Global Jazz. This is an opportunity for these athletes to showcase their talent. This is to the right oh, side do of the door. Do yes. Got him at first. What a play. Jeter throw from second base. What a player. It is Hello Kitty night. And look who's catching first pitch. Hi, my name is Aaliyah Edwards. Marcus Carr, Emmanuel Miller. Marissa Russell. Welcome to Global Jam. An exciting tournament, six different countries for two different titles. There's a tremendous amount of talent out here. This is an opportunity for these athletes to showcase their talents. Parts of her game. Ellington now attacking in the lane. And how about that move? Carr turns a corner. And Joe Miller with a slam dunk in the foul. Quincy with the stand. For Canada to open up Global Jam at 2-0, something to be proud of. No question, there is a bunch of talent out there, and we're going to see some of that talent coming up on the network and 360 uh, later. And we're actually going to see some of that Canadian talent calling the game as we are joined by Amy Otterberg, who does all things, all things. Uh, let's go through it. WNBA, G League. NBA, CEBL, men's and women's FIBA. I call her the Canadian Doris Bork. We are not worthy, Amy. We are not worthy. Thank you uh, for the great coverage, stop. number one. <laughs> uh, but, but thank you uh, for joining us. And why don't we start with, with the tournament, both the vibe around it, but being able to see a lot of these athletes up close. For Canada on the men's and women's side, I, I know I have a list of who I've been impressed by, but who have you been impressed by? Well, on the women's side, it's you got to start with Aaliyah Edwards. She's averaging 17 and 12 through the first couple games, but 
it's even more impressive when you expect a player to be really good and then she shows up and she completely dominates and I mean without a doubt one of the faces of the future of Canadian basketball on the women's side she's so strong and mobile you love her skill set but Donovan you just you love her passion and her attitude she's so fierce and extremely fun to watch and I'll also add on Shayna Pellington on the women's side uh, just poised a great guard who's playing at Arizona uh, has really also taken control of games and extreme composure on the men's side. Marcus Carr, point guard, uh, scores the ball, but then also facilitates. And Emmanuel Miller uh, yesterday has was just tremendous. Uh, finished with a huge and one dung late and got this whole place on their feet. So, I mean, there's so many people and so many players that we could talk about, but uh, I'm excited for Canadians uh, and their sport and their athletes. I mean, a lot of the same names that we've been talking about and seeing trending. But I actually want to, want to touch on another one that surprised me a bit, and that is uh, Marissa Russell. She had the tough year in her freshman year at Louisville, but has really impressed me with her court vision and ability to, to pass and her assertiveness. What have you seen from her that you've liked this far? Well, Marissa Russell was an alternate in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, so she's been identified as a top talent here in Canada. And you mentioned didn't play a whole lot. She's coming into her junior year at Louisville, one of the top teams in the country. So she's playing behind women that are professional now, are WNBA players. And so, yeah, sometimes you got to wait your turn. But when she wears the Canadian jersey, it's her time. And that's something that we spoke to Carly Clark, the head coach, today about just getting her to remember that, hey, when you're here with the national program, it's your time to go. And you're seeing that especially yesterday she opened up the game I mean she could shoot the three she's got size inside and she's just a dynamic player and an awesome young woman as well she's been great to get to know a little bit here you mentioned coach Clark and I love this because it's a showcase for coaches as well and Carly has had a, a almost perfect year undefeated wins a national title on campus there at TMU it has helped obviously the Olympic program now coaching uh, internationally what have you seen in her development as a still relatively young coach well, it's all about the touch points, as she calls them, when Canada basketball gets to come together. And uh, because don't forget, all these women, they play all around the world, different schools, different institutions. And uh, for Carly, uh, it, like you said, it's just been opportunity. So obviously the head coach here in Toronto, national championship undefeated season. But then Victor LaPena, who's now the, the new head coach of the senior women's team, has been here as well. And so for Carly, I think she's just um, continuing to adapt and evolve to different styles. Coach Victor has a space and pace type of guy, so Carly's trying to get these young women to fly it, but it all starts, of course, on the defensive end, so there's pressure on that side of the ball, too. For the balance of the year, you're covering the NBA, and there were some NBA execs in the house last night. Obviously, Masai and Bobby Webster, Mark Eversley, and I'm assuming many of them were looking at the Miller brothers, but Emmanuel specifically. He looked like he could play on the senior team physically. How does his game project, you know, at the next level in your estimation? Well, Emmanuel did a lot of great things. I mean, the thing with him is his rebounding ability. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the court, but he's got a knack for the ball, extremely athletic, and he just goes in there and gets it done. But also Leonard Miller, 18 years old, and I think that that's also one of the Millers that they got their eyes on, going to go play for the Ignite next year with Drew from the NBA draft, extremely young, uh, talented, and uh, I think that they're going to continue to track his progress, especially again in the G League next year. 
know, we're celebrating the game this week. There's a three-on-three -three tournament at Dundas Square. We've got the Mad Love activation uh, in-house. We, we, we've seen, you know, NBA players at, at games. How big is this to, to really spend some time celebrating the sport in our country? Uh if you've been watching at all, I know you have Donovan, but anybody else has been watching, there's a bright future here for Canadian basketball on both the men's and women's side. And especially at this U23 age group, which makes this Global Jam so unique moving forward. You get a lot of young players who go through the system, U16, 17, 18, 19, but then they don't get on a senior national team until they're 26, 27, if they're fortunate to still be fitting into the system. And so this is that age group where it's kind of that hybrid middle level and on both sides. You're seeing players continue to develop their game. And again, I'm just so excited, not even just thinking about Paris 2024, but how about LA, the Olympics down the line as well? Someone who will be in Paris, I assume, health uh, considering in 2024 is Sprina Ionescu. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, talk to you about the pro game before we let you go. We saw her go off with a 30-point triple-double, something you don't see in the women's game as much. She's already early in her career a dominant uh, pro player. What makes her so dominant? What's her ceiling in the women's game? She'll say it all the time, mama mentality. I mean, not only, again, it, you know, it's funny. We talk about Aliyah Edwards. You expect to be the best, but then you show up and you actually do it. Her skill set is off the charts. Her size, she can shoot. But I mean, when you get triple doubles, that means you're facilitating as well. Sabrina's always, his her name has, is, you expect her to show up and play. And every time she touches the floor, she does. She makes everyone around her better. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, women's basketball, just so much uh, excitement and great talent up and coming. So size to skill ratio can shoot a walking bucket. Sounds a bit like the Slim Reaper, Kevin Durant, the easy money sniper. It, we've obviously heard lots of talk about the potential move and the Raptors potentially going in. What's your assessment, being someone who knows many of the pieces that have been rumored in trade, in terms of what the actual capital you think makes sense uh, in terms of acquiring a player like Kevin Durant? This is, how, this is how I'm going to put it, Donovan. I absolutely love my first year of Sportsnet covering the Raptors, and part of the reason is I love the team. I love what they're building. I love their core. I absolutely believe that it can be successful moving forward. All of that being said, I know my job, and I know my role, and it's to cover this team. I have a lot of trust in Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri, and whatever they decide, we're going to show up and do. So if they decide to make a move for Kevin Durant, let's go. We're, you know, like, let's work with it. And I think we could do it, too, because, of course, he is a generational player. But I'm not going to sit here and say we should dump so-and-so because the, these guys have been great and, again, a young, exciting core. Well, two pieces of that core, one younger than the other, but both you know, reciting him back in the fold, Chris Boucher, Otto Porter Jr. Again, lots of size and length, uh, position free. Uh, what is the, the re-signing of Boucher, but the acquisition of Otto mean for you know, this group moving forward? Commitment to depth, which is really important when you want to talk about an 82-game season, you want to talk about a postseason, and Chris Boucher certainly earned his extension um, and his new contract uh, with the way he came off the bench and just really played into his role. And I think when you bring a guy in like Otto Porter Jr., you can't measure experience. You can't measure championship mentality, and that's certainly something. So we talk a lot about intangibles with this team, and these are two guys that certainly fit that mold. Uh, well... You fit the championship mold as well. Love the coverage and everything you're doing for the sport on so many levels. 
I, I know it's a long uh, week for you, but try and enjoy it. Thank you for making some time for us. I'm a gym rat. This is my favorite place to be, so they're going to have to kick me out on Sunday night. Love it, love it. Amy Otterbeer, one of the breakout stars of our coverage in this sport. Uh, you heard it from here first. It, it's been a great tournament. Looking forward to it. Uh, speaking of breakout stars, uh, we had a breakout star for the Blue Jays this season, Santiago Espinal. Will it be enough, though, to land him a spot in the All-Star game? Please say yes. Uh, the Blue Jays' second baseman will join us next from Seattle. I will say yes. Has to be there, right? Yeah. Espinal clubs into the gap in the left center field. That's down for a base hit, and the Blue Jays take the lead. He seems to come through in the clutch. Ground ball up the middle. Espinal to second for one. Bishop to first. What a double play! Line drive into right. Diving stop made by Espinal. Wow! And he has hooked it down the left field line, and it is gone. Our work just pays off, and I'm just going to keep working hard so we can get a W. Hoping to get a W tonight. It's been a breakout season for Santiago Espinal, and uh, the Jays have, have, have really, really needed it. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, he's, he's one of six Jays, actually, uh, that are finalists uh, for the All-Star Game. And I understand that uh, you know we got a T-shirt where potentially people can so, get in on the voting. That's right. So several Jays very close to making the All-Star game. Chief among them, Alejandro Kirk, who leads all of catchers right now in the AL with a 74% share of the vote. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. also first. Uh, at first base, 66%. Uh, our guest coming up, Santiago Espinal, is second, very close, 44% of the vote. Bo Bichette is in second. George Springer just sitting on the outside in third. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in fourth. Now, all of those guys are featured on what I'm about to show you, Donovan. Okay. And that is this T-shirt right here. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Ready for it? Hey there. Here it is. You can win this shirt that features those gentlemen on the back. You have a chance to win that shirt. All you have to do is predict the score of tonight's Blue Jays game and, of course, use the hashtag TFPredict. You can head over to our Twitter account, and that will give you more instructions. You can reply to our tweet. You can tweet yourself. Remember, hashtag TFPredict. That's what you have to do. There's a lot of people tweeting in already. I've already seen some with the score prediction, and they haven't included hashtag TFPredict. How are we going to know that you were tweeting it? You have to use the hashtag. That's the one thing you want to do. If you want to win the shirt... Please. Look. Look at this shirt. Do you want it? Well, it, you did a great job modeling it. Thanks. Uh, so <laughs> now people uh, not only want it, they want you, evidently. Uh, listen, uh, you also have to vote, right? It, yep. It's not just about the shirts, but getting them in. Uh, BlueJays.com slash All-Star. It's got to be all six, no? Like, I actually yeah. think yeah. starting the game should be Kirk and Manoa. Like, that should be the combo. And when you look at Espinal and his numbers relative to not what he's done in the past, relative to other middle infielders, second basemen, however you want to sort it, in the league, they're off the charts. So don't let the name fool you that he hasn't been in all-star conversations in the past and it was going to be a little bit of a timeshare at the position. No, he's made this position his. He's an all-star. 
He's been, and he's also been great in the field, as we saw in that yes. little package right before. Uh, he is trailing Jose Altuve, who has 56% of the vote. And like I mentioned, uh, Espinal with 44% of the vote. So if you want Espinal to get in there, you got to go out and vote. That's... Uh, and uh, get him in there. And like you mentioned, I think it'd be really cool to see Manoa start the All-Star game as well. I think Shane McClanahan may have a bit of an edge right now. He's been really good. Justin Verlander also has a case. The AL Cy Young race is really good. Yes. I mean, whoever is it fair to say whoever starts that All-Star game has the is the favorite for the Cy Young at this point? The clubhouse leader. I, yeah. I think a you know dominant performance uh, in Seattle, another team in the wild card yeah. race against another top line pitcher in Robbie Ray would would help the narrative certainly for Manoa. I actually think. Quite frankly, what's hurting him maybe is just his usage. How many games has he been rolling and he hasn't oh. seen a lineup for the third time yep. because of where we are in baseball? I don't know if you saw Jeff Passan had a great article about yes. the demise of the starting pitcher and Manoa essentially is the, the example. But, but, it, but if he is, you know, putting up some Roy Holiday type innings, then I think he's in that conversation. Either way. Santiago Aspinall is in the conversation, and he should be there. And he is here and joining us now from Seattle. Santiago, thank you so much, and congratulations for, for being in that conversation. Although, like, runners-up is for losers. You want to be at the game with the greatest players in the game because you have been such so far this year. I, I, I led this block by saying, you know, it, it's been an outbreak of a season for you. It's been surprising for many. Has it been surprising for you? Are you surprised about the numbers you've put up, or is this exactly what you expected to produce? No, you know, this is exactly what I expected. You know, I worked really hard in the offseason, and, um, you know, I can't prepare for, the, uh, for spring training and for the season. And, you know, I'm just ready for it. And, you know, it's funny. The front office has, has quietly been saying, the guy that you should really be watching in terms of taking that next step is you, as Espinal, which was somewhat interesting considering what your usage was in the past. For you to have that support from the manager to management, what does that mean? You know, it means a lot, especially uh, to have their back and, you know, just come out here every day and put in the work and, and show the team that I can do the little things right. And every day I come in uh, to compete and, and win every game. Kevin made a great point as we were setting you up coming on about it's not just the offensive numbers that we see because those pop off the page. In the field, defensively, you're saving runs. How much has it helped you to be able to really focus at second base and, and playing that position and learning that craft? Because because of your versatility, you're someone who's utilized in the past all over the park. But now with Chapman owning third, you can really run out to second base every day. Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, now that I only have to focus on, on one position, which is second base, it just I put in the work every day to um, make sure that I get there and really work with, uh, with Lewis, our, our infield coach. And, you know, uh, getting over there and learning more about, about second baseman every day, um, you know, it's helped me a lot, especially having Chapman uh, out there in the corner. He's uh, He has helped me a lot, too, you know, stuff that he knows about fielding and uh, Having him here, it, it means a lot, you know, and um, I learned a lot from him and uh, especially from Louis too, getting all the work in and, uh, you know, making sure that I stay consistent every day. 
and we were caping for Manoa and Kirk to start the All-Star game. But you guys potentially could have a squad. Like the, the PJ might be pretty full uh, for the All-Star game with six of you as finalists. What would that mean to be there with a bunch of your brothers? Oh, man. Uh, it would probably be like a dream come through, you know. Uh, from, you know, from a little kid now over here and then playing with your brothers, you know, uh, it's going to mean a lot. Especially we're going to have a lot of fun over there. And, uh, you know, it's going to mean a lot, especially playing here with your brothers and, you know, people that you see every day. But they're basically my family. So, like, sharing the field with them in L.A. would be awesome. Well, you're on the West Coast right now in Seattle, and you haven't experienced it yet, but I'm sure you may have heard stories from some of your teammates. What have you heard about the Canadian contingent that comes through uh, the West Coast to support the team on the road as if it's a home game? I heard a lot, and uh, honestly, it's going to be my first time experiencing that today. And um, they say that it's going to be like playing at home in Toronto. So I can't wait for that. And I can't wait for the fans to show up and I'll be ready for it. The game means a lot, not just because of that atmosphere, but because of the wildcard standings and how well Seattle has played coming in to this series. Does this feel, you know, already still early in the season, like, like a bigger than normal series for the team? Oh, yeah, it feels. I mean, I, I feel like every every series feels a, a, a lot for us, you know, especially now that we're here in Seattle. And, you know, it's, it's going to be fun playing in front of our, uh, our fans in Toronto, too, because they're going to be here, too. So, um, you know, it's going to feel like a playoff game, honestly. And, uh, you know, we just got to go out there and compete and, and try to get the series. And lastly, before we let you go, what's your assessment on the season thus far and where you are? I mean, the AL East is stacked, and so certainly you're fighting in division in the heart of the wild card race. But the season has been somewhat up and down in terms of the consistency. But yet, I think people would take where you are if this is what they kind of learned to start the year that you'd be in the heart of the wild card race within the room. How do you guys feel about the way that you're playing right now? You know, um, we have our ups and downs, and uh, well, you know how you know how baseball works, and like you know, there's a lot of game left. Uh, I feel like we still got time. We still got time to improve, and every day we just we can't be worrying about where we are. We can't be worrying about how how, how we're playing right now. We just gotta go out there and play with our hearts. Play, play, go out there and, and compete. You know, um, try to win every game. Yeah, I just worry about playing. I just worry about we're here. We just gotta go out there and focus on one game at a time. And I feel like that's gonna take us to to where we want to. Well, you've done that personally quite well. Don't worry about the All-Star game because Blue Jays fans have your back, whether they're on the West Coast or the East Coast. They'll get on Twitter, on, on their phones, and on their laptops and get you in. Enjoy this process and continue to play great baseball. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you to the fans in Toronto, too. Thank you, guys. Got to love them. Yeah. Gotta love him. He's a reason, a big reason. The production you're getting out of that position, which maybe, to be quite fair, you didn't expect, mm -hmm. is a big reason why they're playing so well. To balance that out, though, they need some starters uh, to help them through it. Uh, what news do we have on the pitching front? Hazel Mays tweeted out that Anthony Banda will open the game tonight against the Mariners, followed by Casey Lawrence in this series opener. So we were wondering what would happen. Kevin Gosman pushed back due to his injury. He may still start on the weekends. Uh, but for tonight, it's Anthony Banda who's opening for Casey Lawrence in the season opener, uh, in the series opener, pardon me. 
Yeah, and I have tip to Barrios for that quality start last night. So they didn't have to use Lawrence in a spot yep. early with some long innings, given where the bullpen was. Now they can have Lawrence coming in after uh, an opener, hopefully getting what is a real important series. And I think you could sense in his voice how important that series was um, off to a, a good start before the marquee matchup of Manoa and Ray. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. And remember, we just shadow with Santiago Espinal. And everyone's trying to get him into the All-Star game. Remember, he's in second. And we have this little shirt. Remember, we were just talking about it, and Espinal is featured on the back. He's the second from the bottom there. If you want to win this shirt, you certainly can. Hello. You can win this shirt right here. All you have to do is predict the score of tonight's Blue Jays game against the Mariners. Hashtag TFPredicts. Send it in to us so we can find it. Hashtag TFPredicts. you got to use that to win the shirt. You could win the shirt. Actually, you can. I don't think you can. I think you're disqualified. Uh, and make sure you vote, okay? Yeah, yeah that's, that's uh, also Most very importantly, yeah. first of all, I, I predict, hashtag TF predict, that we get six in. I, I think all six are going. All six? I think so. I love the, just a sea of blue at the All-Star game. I think so. It would be spectacular. So. Let's, get them, let's get them all in there. You've got to go out and vote. I think it's deserved, quite frankly. Who on that list would you say doesn't deserve to be among the greatest players in the game? <sighs> Pretty much all of them. They should go, yeah. Get it done, Canada. Yep. Don't let me down. All right. Uh, well, Canada, uh, thank you for watching this far. For those watching on Sports at 360, Global Jam coverage is up next as the Canadian women take on France. Meanwhile, Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet as we get you set for tonight's NHL draft. Who will be the number one pick? Could we see some big names on the move? Jeff Merrick will join us from Montreal after this. I want chaos this draft. That's all I want. Trades, picks. People hugging their moms first. Chaos. Give me the chaos. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. And now, time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you. Very kindly, Sheepdogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends with no Tim, so I suppose just friends. I'm Donovan Bent Jr. along with Kevin Mickey. Happy to be filling in for Tim and Jesse. We've got to give Jesse some love. Uh, we'll be with you for another 30 minutes or so on Sportsnet when Hockey Central takes over to get you set for tonight's NHL draft in Montreal. And Jeff Merrick will join us from the Bell Center in just a few minutes. But first, Here's Sportsnet's resident draft expert, Sam Cosentino, with a preview of what we can expect tonight. Volatility. This is the word to best describe the 2022 NHL draft. And the turbulent ride may start as early as the first overall pick. The Flower, the Rocket, and St. Patrick all graced Montreal. Who will call it home next? To write your name in history. This is your time to shine. Will it be the exceptional one? Kingston Shane Wright, predicted to be the first overall pick since being granted exceptional status in 2019. You definitely picture, you know, walking up on the stage, putting that jersey on, and, you know, just feeling the emotions, feeling the pride, and, you know, the joy and the excitement of, you know, finally being drafted. If it's not right for Montreal, then where will the Blue Blanc et Rouge go? The Slovakian sensation, perhaps? At just 17 years of age, Juraj Slavkovsky carried a nation to its first ever Olympic medal, capped as the MVP having scored seven times in seven games. I think I can still grow as a player, and my game is 
far from the best and can still be way, way better. If not there, Pittsburgh perhaps? Logan Cooley, he of the US Under-18 program, the most dynamic player this draft class has to offer. I feel like I'm an electrified player to watch. You know, I like to win too, so I think that's important to go into a franchise that they want winning players. The unpredictability doesn't stop there. Simon Nemitz was a stalwart for his Nitra team, setting the bar for Slovakian-born defensemen in their draft year. David Juracek battled back from an injury against Canada at the World Juniors to win bronze at the Men's Worlds. But wait, there's more. Cutter Goche believes he shouldn't be left out of the conversation for number one. So too, due to, from the Winnipeg Ice, Matthew Savoy and Connor Hickey. Joaquin Kemmel led Liga in scoring through the first two months of the season, but shoulder issues kept them at bay until a three-goal dagger eliminated Canada from the under-18s. And there's Brad, Lambert that is, a top five talent whose roller coaster year epitomizes the volatility of this draft. Thanks to a great playoffs and men's worlds, Marco Casper has experienced a meteoric rise inside the top 10. Finally, we're here. After two long years of Zoom calls and virtual drafts, we're back, and we're back with the most unpredictable draft we've seen in years. Thanks, Sam. Many expect it to be a busy night, and we've already got some moves to tell you about. The Senators acquiring Alex Brinkett from the Blackhawks for the 7th and 39th overall picks in tonight's draft, and a 2024 third-rounder. The 24-year-old Brinkett recorded a career-high 78 points last season. And another trade to tell you about, the Avalanche are acquiring goalie Alexander Gorgiev from the Rangers in exchange for three draft picks. The move means Darcy Kemper's time in Colorado is likely done. He's set to become an unrestricted free agent. The Penguins and Chris Letang have agreed to a six-year, $36.6 million contract extension. The deal has a cap hit of $6.1 million. Letang has spent his entire career in Pittsburgh, helping the Penguins win three Stanley Cups. The 35-year-old was set to become an unrestricted free agent. Someone who is not an unrestricted free agent, we've got him locked up, although I do believe he has a no-move clause, is Jeff Merrick in Montreal. Jeff, I'm hoping for, dying for, desperate for some moves tonight. The draft is back in Montreal, in person again for the first time since 2019. They've got the first pick for the first time since Haley Wickenheiser's cousin went yeah. first overall. What are you expecting tonight? <laughs> oh, it's a great Doug Wickenheiser poll there. I love it. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, thanks so much for having me. Second of all, it's wonderful to be here amongst people once again, and the Bell Center tonight is going to be packed. I think they're sold out tomorrow for rounds two through seven as well. So really vibrant hockey community here, as we all know, in Montreal, passionate community in, in Montreal. And, you know, right behind me here, there's the Stanley Cup champions. That's where, that's a table everybody wants to sit at, at the draft, by the way. That means you're the cup champions and you're, you're, you're selecting last. Um, it should be a wonderful night. And to the point about moves, yeah, I think, you know, the Brinkett is, is just one. But I'll tell you, since I got here on Tuesday morning, it has been nothing but wild stories, wild rumors. Who's going first? Are they going to move second? Is, does Montreal try to get the first and second pick at the end of the night? What happens at number three? There's a lot of discussion of, you know, whether they go with some, Arizona goes with someone like Logan Cooley from the, uh, the USU 18 program, or do they go with the local kid from Scottsdale? 
Karagoche? Um, uh, uh, do they do they end up going Karagoche rather? Do they end up going that route? And then there's trades. There's Jacob Chikrin of the Arizona Coyotes. Does he get moved today? We've already seen Alex DeBrinket get moved. Uh, what happens with Edmondson? What happens with Jesse Pogliardi? What happens with Tyson Berry? Uh, what happens now that the goalie carousel, you know, one goaltender has found a seat in Colorado, that frees up Darcy Kemper. So I, I, think, a, I think, Donovan, this is a long-winded way of saying I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the top three picks might shock people and maybe Cutter Goche at third could be the big surprise there. And don't be surprised if there are plenty of moves, whether it's small moves with teams trading down or big blockbuster-type moves, the likes of which we just saw with Alex DeBrinkin. Jeff. Jeff, I, I had nine questions for you. You answered all nine, and we have nine more minutes. Like, tell me about I can, the view in I can, your hotel. I can, like, I can, what, I can, what are we doing? That's that's okay. Uh, yeah, the, the view's kind of nice. Uh, a view, a view of the street in downtown Montreal here. It's it's quite nice. The gym is actually you'll appreciate this. The gym at the hotel is is uh, is, is quite excellent. But uh, I know that there was that there was a lot that is sort of sprayed out there. But there's a lot going on at this draft. There is. Like there, there is. really is. And there, I think. I think, I think one of, the, one of the interesting things that we're wondering about, Donovan, is, you know, what happens if Montreal doesn't take Shane Wright first overall? There is a huge appetite here for Shane Wright, but if Kent Hughes goes up on that podium over my right shoulder here in about an hour and says, Yuri Slavkovsky, I think we're all wondering, this is going to be a packed house. You know, if we, if we pull back on the shot, there's Montreal Canadiens jerseys everywhere. What does the crowd do with this one? And maybe that's why we believe that Montreal has been in the business of trying to get the second overall pick too, to satisfy perhaps scouts, to satisfy the crowd, to say nothing of the organization and their future. It's a it's a fascinating dynamic here in Montreal, as you can as you can well imagine. Well, a couple things. One, there's a reason why this suit is double-breasted. It's because I haven't seen a gym in a while, so I wouldn't appreciate the gym <laughs> in your hotel. But 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 two, I, like, you mentioned it, and I think those fans, if they watched Olympic hockey, although it wasn't best on best, they would cheer uh, if if that's the, the way it went. Yeah. Which, first of all, but I love chaos. We talked about it earlier. Like, why not go all in for, for one and two and make them do paper rock scissors? on who's announced first. I, I, I know it sounds great, but, but how realistic <laughs> is it that Montreal, granted they have 10 picks uh, in the first four rounds, 14 altogether, move some of that draft capital and, and say, hey, we're, we're going to make a big swing here. I think they. I think that's exactly what they want to do. You know, I'm of the belief that Montreal has gone to a lot of the teams, you know, that are kind of in that, you know, maybe 13 to 17 or, or 14 to 19 area, and have said, look, if the player that you want or the players that you want aren't there at that spot, we'll flip picks and add one of our second rounders. The Montreal Canadiens have two. Like, make no mistake about it. Kent Hughes wants to go up on that stage tonight as many times as he can. And if that means flipping some picks and moving up, like, make no mistake about it here, Donovan. The Montreal Canadiens are going through a rebuild. And this is going to be a perhaps a, a painful one for the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be some really difficult choices. And they already had to make some really difficult choices. But tonight's a night, like, like draft day is always the happy day, right? Draft day is always the, you know, you can, you know, you're selling the future. You're selling promise. You know, it's been said in sports before, you can sell two things. You can sell wins or you can sell hope. And on a day like this, you're selling hope. And right now, for the Montreal Canadiens and their fans, their GM wants to sell as much hope as he possibly can.
Well, selling the future, what does that mean for the future of Carey Price? Obviously, it depends how healthy he is, but either way, it's going to cost $10 million on that cap. What do you think yeah. his situation means in terms of what they do via the draft? I don't know that it has any necessary correlation with what they do at the draft by way of picks, maybe by way of trade as well. But I mean, all of this is just going to rest on the health of Carey Price. And, you know, I, I think we're all hoping that Carey Price is healthy enough to play. Now, does that mean that he's healthy enough to play and we see him, you know, here in this rink next season for the Montreal Canadiens? Or if he's healthy enough to play, you know, do they make another difficult decision? This would have to be, of course, done in association with him and his representation, Jerry Johansson. Does he find another place to carry on his career? We don't know the answers to any of this, and we're not going to know any answers until Carey Price shows up with a, with a clean bill of health. And I think that's what, what's most important for everybody here, is that at the end of it, Carey Price is healthy enough to continue his career. Let's keep the conversation going on goalies, the most important position in the sport. Sure. I'd argue the most important position in sports. True. Given what happened in Colorado, Darcy Kemper looks like will be yeah. a UFA. The musical chairs at the position continues. What does that mean for Jack Campbell, for the Flower, and for what yeah. Canadian teams in Edmonton and Toronto are looking to do at their position? So one thing we should keep in mind here, when Darcy Kemper was traded to Colorado, there were two main teams that were trying to get him. Colorado Avalanche, certainly, they got him. Uh, but the Edmonton Oilers were in as well. Um, and it's believed that you know, both teams offered a first-round draft pick, but it's believed that you know, the, uh, the Arizona Coyotes valued Connor Timmons, the prospect, uh, much more than the prospect that the Edmonton Oilers were offering. Now, that makes sense. Al Heppel used to be a scout for the Colorado Avalanche. He drafted Connor Timmons. He knows the player. He's now a scout with the, uh, with the Arizona Coyotes. So that one fit and that one made sense. But you know, the Edmonton Oilers have been you know, looking for a marquee goaltender you know, going back to two years when they thought they had Jacob Markstrom locked up. Like everybody thought, the Oilers certainly thought, uh, that they had Markstrom as their goaltender. And then I think it was like Donovan, I think it was like two or three hours before the free agency window opened, he called the Oilers and said, sorry, I'm going to Calgary. And then everything, you like chaos? I assure you, that was chaos in the Edmonton Oilers organization. So they've tried to get Kemper once. You know, you wonder if they go back uh, the, the, to Darcy Kemper and try to bring him in now for a second time. You know, the two teams we believe that had significant... Uh, interest uh, and the ability, the cap space, and the desire to put a package together for, for Jack Campbell. You know, one of them is the Edmonton Oilers and the other is the New Jersey Devils. And I think if you're having any conversation around the NHL right now about goaltenders, you have to have the conversation about New Jersey. There's a real belief that all the, the New Jersey Devils on paper look like they didn't have a good season. But if you break it right down, you say they actually had a good season, but all the good that they did was undone by the goaltender. You made the point. This is maybe the most important position in, in all of sports. You know, Elaine Vigneault used to always say, hockey is really simple. If your goaltender is better than my goaltender, you win. But if my goaltender is better than your goaltender, I win. And that's hockey. So I think any conversation we have about goaltending, certainly we talk about Edmonton, certainly we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, those are you know, two marquee Canadian teams, but the New Jersey Devils, like right now they're poised to select second overall, um, and that's a big deal for them, certainly. But I think job number one for Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager here in the offseason, they need a goaltender, and they need a goaltender quick. 
Okay, before we let you go, let's talk about the Canadian team that doesn't have a first-round pick sure. in Calgary and what Brad Living is going through right now. Johnny Gaudreau, 100-point guy, has a contract yeah. offer that he hasn't signed, UFA. How does that impact an RFA like Kachuk? What are some of the conversations now that the GMs are back together in close proximity? Is that group yeah. in Calgary having in terms of how they build their roster moving forward? I would say that's a really good question, and I'm going to give you an answer that maybe not too many people have thought of, but it's a very big discussion going on certainly on the floor here and has been the last couple of days in Montreal. I think a lot of people are curious what's going to happen with the Philadelphia Flyers' first-round pick, and they're drafting fifth overall, and that is a great spot. But as we know, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers have always been one of the teams that have been rumored interested in Johnny Gaudreau from the area. Um, they could use them, you know, the Flyers need to, to redo this team in the offseason. They don't want to take a step back. We know all about the Flyers reloading, but right now they don't have the cap space for them. I think what a lot of us are wondering right now, Donovan, is, is there a chance the Philadelphia Flyers take that fifth round draft pick, attach a contract, maybe James Van Riemsdyk's contract, and that's a $7 million cap hit, just one more season left of it though. Do they try to package that up to another team in exchange for essentially the cap space to bring in Johnny Gaudreau as early as next week? That is one of the questions I think we're all waiting to find the answer to. Like one of the one of the things right now is there are teams here that are going to pick. Uh, there are teams that, as you mentioned, are on the outside and aren't making picks right now. And there are also teams that are in the what we call the bad contract game teams that are willing to take on bad contracts because they have the cap space to do it, but you have to sweeten the deal. Second round pick, third round pick, a prospect, or maybe in this case, a first round draft pick. The two teams that come to mind right away, the Arizona Coyotes, I think a lot of us wonder about the Buffalo Sabres. Could they be involved in the bad contract game? And if so, did the Philadelphia Flyers get frisky with that idea, maybe with the eyes, to bring in Johnny Gaudreau? It's not a conversation Calgary Flames fans claim want to hear, and I understand that. And then dovetailing that is going to be a conversation about Matthew Chuck. But right now, that's on the back burner as they deal with the Johnny Gaudreau issue. I love it. I love the chaos. You, though, my friend, shaking <laughs> not stirred. You want chaos? Yes, I do. You want the chaos? This uh, is it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you're looking good in, in your James Bond suit. But I, I see some people behind you, not with the dress code, wearing the 32 Thoughts merchandise. So I'll, I'll allow you to get back to your fans and sign more <laughs> autographs. Thank you. Uh, great coverage, as always. Uh, Enjoy the draft. You're the best, Donovan. Thanks so much, pal. You be good. You as well. Uh, this show has been good, uh, and we'll continue that. To get you set for the NHL draft, we'll take a closer look at the U.S. National Development Program that's consistently producing first-round picks. Plus, we'll check in with Sean Reynolds on the red carpet. Stick around. I bet he looks good as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. No doubt. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. And a reminder, the Global Jam Tournament continues in Toronto. Right now, you can see the Canadian women taking on France on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 360, up five midway through the first. And at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on Sportsnet 360, the Canadian men's team goes up against Italy. Both the Canadian men's and women's teams are undefeated so far in the tournament. The Blue Jays return to their second home tonight as they open a four-game series in Seattle. You can catch the game tonight on Sportsnet 1 at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. The Jays hoping to build off their 2-1 win over the A's yesterday, which snapped a five-game losing streak. Meanwhile, the Mariners have won 12 of their last 15 coming in. 
and we're moments away from sending you to Hockey Central as the NHL draft is about to get underway in Montreal. The Canadians holding the first overall pick, maybe they'll get the second, but the intrigue builds as we still don't know what the Habs will do or who they'll pick at that first overall spot. Should be a fun night in La Belle Provence. Uh, let's go now and check with Sean Reynolds who caught up with the first potential overall pick Yaroslav Lyskowski on the red carpet. So Yaroslav, you step off the bus, you walk the red carpet, you hear all those cheers. What are you feeling like in this moment? Yeah, I feel good. There is cheers and uh, some booing, so it's fun. I enjoy that. Seems strange. You've met with the Montreal Canadiens today. What can you tell us about that meeting and the impression that you were left with after that meeting? Yeah, I think it was a good meeting. It was actually supposed to be two days ago, so it seems a little bit strange that it's on a draft day, but yeah, it was a good meeting. I met the owners, the president and GM, so it was a good meeting. I wonder, you guys like you are usually drafted based on your strengths. Is there anything about you and your game you think that the scouts may be underestimating? Maybe my hockey IQ, if I understood the question well. <laughs> that's, yeah. No, that's what I mean. I mean, a lot of times it's clear what you bring to the table, but are there certain things that yeah. you think maybe the scouts don't see? Yeah, I think it's my hockey IQ. I, I think it's underrated, if I can say it like that. I think it can be a good. I know you've said where you go doesn't matter. You just want to end up being the best player from this draft when it's all said and done. But now that you're here, in front of all of these fans, what would it mean for you to go first overall? Yeah, it would mean a lot. It's unbelievable. A lot of fans. I'm so happy that we are in Montreal for a draft and because these fans are crazy. Appreciate your time. Best of luck. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Sean. And I, I know Wright's the betting favorite, but I kind of love the kid. Uh, the start of the 2021 hockey season was the 25th anniversary of the United States national team development program. They have consistently produced the best American-born players in the NHL entry draft since being created with first overall picks like Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, and most recently, Jack Hughes. The 2020 draft class has upwards of nine players that be, could be called in the first round. Anthony Cometti has more on the success story of USA Hockey. Thanks to past selections of household names like Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, and Sidney Crosby, we've come to expect the Canadian Hockey League to be the top producer of prospects on draft day. But when it comes to churning out top-end talent, the United States National Team Development Program has begun to rival the CHL. The numbers of, of US players have gone up and up and up in the NHL and a lot of it can be traced back to the NTDP. You know, you look at the, the, the most recent number one picks for, are, are all from the NTDP. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of number one Americans over the years. So you've got Patrick King, you've got Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes. Hughes making it happen again. Jack Hughes looks like his brother. Score! What a play! The program features the top players in two age groups, under 17 and under 18, selected from across the country to play against older, more developed competition in the USHL and NCAA. They've built this out exactly how it was designed to be built out. And the end result is players elevating players. They go and they find the most elite players in the country, and then they bring them along under the same roof in Plymouth and really turn them into the modern NHL star. They are the hockey development machine. They are the new London Knights. They are the number one destination for the game's best young players. 
Although founded 25 years ago, it wasn't until the 2019 draft where the program made its biggest mark in the first round. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. With the 15th overall selection, the Montreal Canadiens select from the U.S. National Development Program, Cole Caulfield. The 2019 one with uh, Jack Hughes, Caulfield, all those guys. It's uh, kind of the first time I really knew about the program and you know that I could possibly play there. So to see all those guys get drafted, that was a pretty cool moment. Three years later, Logan Cooley headlines a loaded crop for the 2022 draft class. The strength of this year's development group at the program was their speed. When you showed up to watch them play, you found many of the fastest players in the draft. Comes in front and scores! Oh, what a nice play by Rutger McGrady! Marshall Bright to the forehand, scores! Frank Nazar! The two kids that have really separated themselves this year are Logan Cooley and Cutter Gauthier. Looking for more Gauthier's deny. Here's Cooley. Oh, he turned to the cross, but we got it! You're with 23 of the best players in America, your age group, and uh, we had a com competitive bunch the last two years, and it was a lot of fun working with those guys and uh, competing with them in small area games or in the weight room, whatever it is. I'm just going to battle every single day you know, with, with the players who have like-minded goals of playing in the National Hockey League has really helped me on and off the ice. All the resources you have there, uh, you know, the strength and conditioning coaches, the head coaches, assistants, you know, they're all there to help you and support you. Playing against all those top guys each day in practice and kind of competing against them each day is just something that that kind of makes it its specialty and, and makes it the place to go. If you're an American player and looking for a direct path to the NHL draft, the NTDP is the place to go and the 2022 class will continue to bolster that reputation. Playing for the national team is just it's one of the greatest thing that, things that could ever happen to me. For me, it, it was obviously really special to, to wear red, white, and blue for the last two years, and um, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about it. They've mastered it. They've per perfected it south of the border in Plymouth, and it's really, really a, a huge success story for USA Hockey. I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to play there. It's one of the, one of the greatest places, so I'm, I'm excited that I'm out there. Well said. Great job, Caminiti. And Tones and producer Michael Fenton with a real interesting story. Uh, real interesting as well is who might go first overall. Could be American Logan Cooley. But uh, a good way to figure out is follow the betting numbers. Yeah, I mean, generally Vegas will tell you what's going to happen. And uh, we asked everyone on Tim and Friends' Twitter account who's going to go first overall. They said Shane Wright. Mm -hmm. The betting market said Shane Wright. For the longest time, it was hovering around minus 200. Now, though, mm -hmm. just moments ago, Shane Wright has gone from minus 200 down to minus 125. So you have Shane Wright followed by Yurov Slavkovsky at minus 106. He was plus money for a long time. Now he's in the minus. So maybe some uncertainty or a big number came in on Slavkovsky. So they're going to move the number on Shane Wright either way. What was already an uncertain draft, even more uncertain now. Where things get interesting is pick number three. Mm. Uh, Logan Cooley expected to go number three. Uh, his market has pretty much hovered around minus 225 the entire, the entire time you've been able to bet on this. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for something simple to bet on, Sam Cosentino's mock draft has 10 defensemen going in the first round. Okay. Right now on Bet Rivers, you can... Play over 10.5, under 10.5, which I think is interesting. And the all-name matchup, Jimmy Snuggerud and Rutger, Rutger McGrory. 
Going Put that head on to a head. jersey. Yeah, that's Love right. It. Love it. It's going to be a fun night. Whether you're betting or not, it's going to be fun to watch. Lots of chaos, I hope. That does it for us. Kevin and I will be back again tomorrow, 5 Eastern. Remember, you can catch Canada taking on France at the Global Jam right now on Sportsnet 360. And later tonight, the Jays visit the Mariners on Sportsnet 1. But now it's time to send you to Montreal for round one of the NHL Draft. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.